Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message will be both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, until further notice, we are not meeting physically in the church building and instead are live streaming our worship service on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We hope you will join us either on our website or on our Facebook page for worship. Now, here is this week's message. We are so thankful to be coming to you live this morning on Mother's Day. And uh, I was ready to go, and then my wife just texted me a little while ago and said, I forgot to put my own children on that video that we just showed. And so I did shoot a video with my kids. They were uh, uh, on it, but I am so sorry. Lewis and Henry, good job, buddy. Uh, You did a good job, but I forgot to put you on the video. That's my bad. And so I'll post that all over social media and everywhere to make atonement for my sins later. And so I'm so sorry for that. But as far as uh, we're getting into today, we are coming to the end. We've arrived at the end of our series called Mountains and Valleys. And it's been an extraordinary journey, really a story uh, of Elijah and his life. And it just seems, uh, man, it just kind of came out of nowhere. He just showed up on the scene. And we've seen mountains where he has been on top of mountains doing amazing things. We've seen him down by a brook needing the Lord's help. He has, uh, we've definitely seen mountains and valleys. The first three weeks have shown us the upside of this prophet. He had fantastic attributes. He had fantastic things that happened to him. He controlled the weather. He confronted a powerful king. He displayed confidence in front of 850 prophets of false gods. He even was crazy fast in running ahead of the king, faster than horses. And needless to say, there's a lot of amazing things about Elijah. But this also leaves me a little bit overwhelmed. It leaves me with a little bit of an overwhelmed feeling. It's the same way when I read Paul in the New Testament. I don't relate to Paul that well. I relate to Peter a little better. I don't relate to Paul that well. He leaves, I mean, to to Elijah that well, he leaves me a little overwhelmed because, well, man, he did some amazing things. God used him in an extraordinary way. But today is different. Today we see an Elijah that is relatable. Today we see an Elijah in a way that I guess just makes him human. He's kind of all over the place today. In our, in, our, in our wrapping up of this series, we're kind of finishing off with the human side of Elijah. And he's, well, he's a lot like me. I'm all over the place. Sometimes I'm Pastor Gary, and most of the time I'm Disaster Gary. That's kind of the way my life goes. It ebbs and flows that way. And what we're looking at today is a very interesting topic, especially for Mother's Day. Uh, it, it's kind of a heavy topic for Mother's Day. But unfortunately, it's, it's fitting. Statistics tell us that in our country, women 18 to 40 are most likely, they are the ones that are most likely going to deal with what we're talking about today, today's topic from Elijah's life. In Elijah's humanity, we see that he struggled with depression. In this part of his life right here we're getting, he's struggling with depression. And, and in our country, this is something that is very much 
on the rise, whether that's on the rise because people are more apt to talk about it, I don't know, or if it's always been there, we've just kind of kept it suppressed underneath, I'm not sure, but it seems to be on the rise, especially depression among adolescents. It's on the rise. Listen, today, I, I want to get this out of the way quickly. I'm not talking about these situations uh, where a person has something that is chemical, a chemical imbalance or a deficiency or, or a mental illness that needs professional assistance. Now, I want to make sure that I'm intensely clear about that today. I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about is what was referred to in a long time ago as melancholy or melancholic. That sense of overwhelming heaviness, sadness, a depressive state that, that seems to come on almost unexpectedly. That's what, we're, that's what we're leaning today. If you have your Bibles or your device, if you'd make your way over to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to read the first couple of verses there to kind of set the stage for this very important topic. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 says this. And now Ahab told Jezebel, his wife, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them one of the prophets that's dead. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. Remember, we're coming off a pretty amazing experience on Mount Carmel. God showed up in a major way, and Elijah showed his deep confidence in who God was. And even as Pastor Brian said, he didn't feel like he was cocky, though he was kind of walking that line, talking about their God. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he stepped out for a little while. Elijah showed intense confidence in his God. We pick up our story here. Ahab just went home and told his wife, who is by Ahab's doing a de facto ruler of the kingdom. She's the reason that Baal worship is the prevailing religion in this country at this time. She's made it her mission to kill anybody who speaks out for the Lord. And she fires off a threat that no doubt she could make good on. But after what God had done on, on Mount Carmel, bringing down fire, slaughtering hundreds of false prophets, you think that wouldn't rattle Elijah? You think that wouldn't, that wouldn't be anything to him? You know, I don't think it was the threat. I don't think it was the threat that rattled him. I think it was the person. You see, we all have these people in our life who set us off. They, they just have a way of bringing things down. It doesn't matter what positive things you have going on. It doesn't matter what things you've accomplished. When this person enters the scene, it throws everything off. Their criticism hits harder than anybody else's. And I have a feeling Jezebel was this to Elijah. 
Her opinion mattered, even though everything else around him says that her opinion didn't matter. And this sent Elijah into an unexpected spiral because he's human like you and I. And because of this, he did some things that are actually very common. We're going to look at four things very quickly that, that showed up in Elijah's life. And these are the easiest ways to head into a depression, to a depressive state. This is a very easy way to do this. We're going to look at this very quickly. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to pick it up in the middle of verse 3. It says this, when he, Elijah, came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush and sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush, and he fell asleep. We're going to look at this very quickly. There's four things that, 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 that jump out here, especially if you want the easy track to, 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 to find your way into depression. The first thing is this. Number one, wear yourself out. Elijah wore himself out. The past few years have been spiritual battle after spiritual battle after spiritual battle where he's praying and trusting and praying and trusting and battling and he is doing amazing things. God is doing amazing things through him and he is busy and he is doing things left and right. He's coming off a, 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 a massive victory and all of a sudden he runs for his life. And geographically, he couldn't have run any farther. He, had, he ran to the very southern tip of the country leaves his buddy there and he goes a little bit farther into the desert that's physical and metaphorical and he was totally and physically exhausted like a lot of you you're slammed you're busy and you wonder why you feel this heaviness this melancholy one thing we have learned for sure is that pandemics, they're exhausting. Mentally, physically, relationally exhausting. I got two toddlers in my house. Mentally, physically, relationally exhausting. But even before this, I mean, it's Mother's Day, some of you moms you work a full-time job, you come home, you take care of a house, you put dinner on the table, you cart kids all over God's green earth, you, you are involved in schools, you're involved in church, you're involved in all these things, and you're wondering why this heaviness is about you. Sometimes it's not even physical exertion, sometimes it's all it's all up here, it's all in, it's all in the head. It's, it's this, this sense that I, I have to do this. I, I have to be strong for them. I have to make sure everything is covered. I have to do this. I have to be the provider. I have to, I have to, I have. Who's gonna do it? I have to. And you're mentally exhausted. It's all up here. You're mentally totally exhausted. You've worn yourself out. That is one of the cheapest and quickest ways to a depressive state. Number two. Shut people out. 
It's exactly what Elijah did. He's got one friend right now. He's taken all the way on this journey. His, his closest friend is servant, he said. It, don't, don't get uh, hung up on that word servant. We call Elisha his servant later on in this chapter. It's a friend. It's a guy in his life. And he tells him, you stay here. And I'm going to go a little bit farther into the desert. Because there's always good stuff. I'm from New Mexico. There's nothing good in the desert. Tarantulas. Nothing good. So he goes a little farther. You stay here. I'm going on. And quite honestly, it's what a lot of us do. We get a little overwhelmed. You get to that, that, that heavy feeling and you start to shut it down. You start to pull back. You start to, to go away. And I'm not going to tell you what I'm going through. You wouldn't understand even if I did tell you what I'm going through. We start to put up that wall. We start to, to push people away. We say, I, 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 I just... Just, just, just stay over there. I'm putting up my wall. You need to be over there. I can deal with this myself. I'll let you know when I'm out of it. And we stiff arm them. I am intensely guilty of this. I am so thankful my wife is not here to look me in the eye this morning. We, uh, coming off about a year ago, I guess, coming off of a pretty substantial life change where there was a billion things that went wrong and we, we moved, and then we didn't, and what ended up happening was, in, a, in, a, in an intermediate time for just a few months, we had to stay in an apartment, and this apartment was literally two rooms. It had a front door, and it had a bathroom door. Two rooms, not a two-bedroom house, mind you, two rooms. A living room that had a kitchen, and it was like a kitchen, and there was a dining table in the middle, and then there was like... Uh, a couch and that was it and then there was like an archway and then there was a bedroom and that was it and we had me she was pregnant I'd say very pregnant but she gets mad when I say those words together very pregnant but she was very pregnant we had a toddler and we had two dogs in this two room apartment and I shut it down for months until it came to a head one day and it was, it was a deal. I didn't even realize I was doing it, really. I, I, it wasn't like I, I intended to do that. It's a mechanism, for lack of a better word. I didn't mean to do that. I just did it. I internalized this major life change. I didn't talk about it. I just shut it down. And this is a sure sign that you're headed toward a depressive state. You isolate yourself. Why would Kayla not need to know what's going on in my head. We do it. Number three, we focus on the negative. Now, I don't, I don't know how many of you know me that well, but I'm not Johnny Sunshine. And so I'm not Johnny Positive. I'm not Mr. Everything's gonna work out. I, I, I'm not. I, I tend to be a little bit uh, on the, uh, well, I call it realistic, but most people would call it negative. And so uh, the negative side, but man, this is right where Elijah was. Look at, look at what he said. He said, I've had enough. I'm no better than my ancestors. You know what's funny here? He's by himself in the, in the desert. So if you ever see people talking to themselves in the desert, it's never a good thing. And nobody's talking to him. Nobody's asking him. Nobody brought up anything about your ancestors. Nobody brought up anything about what's going on with them or how you are or how you relate to them. He's having conversations in his head. 
And I know that that doesn't happen to you. I know you don't have fake conversations on your drive to work or fake conversations in the shower or fake conversations in your head, tell them how it's gonna be or what's going on, but this is exactly what this guy did. He's having this conversation in his head and he slides into self-pity and self-pity always exaggerates. It exaggerates the situation. It, it, it says, I'm never gonna be any good at that. I, I'm always gonna be stuck at this place in my life. I'm never gonna get any better. I'm never gonna get the grades I need to get, in, to get into that school. I'm never going to be able to get that promotion. I'm never going to be able to, 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 to see my kid come to Christ, whatever it may be. I just ate a tub of ice cream. I'm never gonna be able to fit into those jeans. Whatever it may be, you slide into a, a state of self pity and he says this I've had enough Lord take my life just kill me let's rewind why is he in the desert because he didn't want to die he's running from Jezebel he is running to the desert because he didn't want to die if he wanted to die go set up a lawn chair on Jezebel's lawn and get to it but he's exaggerating things. Even in his prayer, he's, he's exaggerating this because he's exhausted, he's alone, and he's miserable. This is the beginner's guide to depression. I mean, he is a case study, he is a beginner's guide. It wouldn't take two seconds for somebody who knew what they were doing to figure out what's going on with Elijah. But the last thing we see is that he chose to forget God. If you wanna get depressed, all you need to do is forget God. It's exactly what a lot of us do. I mean, look at all that God did for Elijah. Supernatural protection, provision, birds feeding him, water from a brook during a drought, raising people from the dead, fire from heaven. Ah, you're not gonna come through. This lady says she's gonna, she's gonna end me. You can't, you can't deal with that, God. That's way bigger than anything else you could deal with. He forgot. And man, I can look back, even on that time in the two-room apartment, I can look back and I can see God. And I can see God back and back and back and back and back. I can see him. I can see the things that he's been faithful in my life. But when, when things happen, when this situation happens, when this person comes into my life and, and, and wrecks it, I forget. God's shown up a billion times. Why would he not show up again? Why would he not show up one more time? And so I'm thankful. I'm sure you're thankful that this topic popped up on Mother's Day. We, 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 we didn't really look at the calendar when we, we laid all this out, but here it is, man. Depression. The good news is that God's not left Elijah here. That's the good news. Elijah didn't have any hope. He's hiding out. He's wanting to die. But I want you to take notice that God's going to lay out a plan here for him. First thing he does is he sends an angel. This angel represents, he's God's representative and I want you to notice what God does not do through this angel. There's no sermon. There's no pep talk. There's no rebuke. There's no shame. The angel's not saying, if you had a little more faith, Elijah, we wouldn't be stuck out here in the desert. 
He didn't tell him to read one more Bible verse. He didn't even tell him to quit acting like a baby. There's no, no rebuke, no negativity. Can I pause right here real quick? Before you roll your eyes about the whole angel thing, that an angel appeared here, Hebrews 13.2 tells us that we often are dealing with angels and don't even know it. Often. So it's not unlike God to send somebody in your way in this time. This is like God. There are probably people that have gotten in your way when you're in a state like this and you didn't even know that's what God was doing. This is what God was doing. This is what God does often. And so he sent this angel. And this angel comes down and he does something very important, a very good starting place when you're in a depressive state, a state of depression. So this is, this is part of the process of coming out of depression. And the first thing he did is this. Look at what it says. And God, God says to eat and to rest. First Kings 19, we're going to start in the middle of verse 5. God says to eat and rest. Here we go. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around. And there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, get up and drink. But he adds something here. He says, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank. And I want you to see this word. The next word after that period is important. Strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Strengthened by that food, strengthened by that rest, strengthened by that. Some of you, the most spiritual thing you can do right now is not go to another meeting, not even read another passage of scripture in this, in this sense. The most spiritual thing you can do right now is rest. Rest. In fact, perhaps one of the most disobeyed commands we have in this world we live in is, is rest. God commanded us to rest. And we don't want to do it. No, we're prideful, man. Just, you want, you want, you want a case study? You want, you want to have some fun? Ask somebody how they're doing. What are they going to say? Keep them busy, man. Just busy. Busy, man. Just busy. Just busy living life. No, you're not. You're in an epidemic. You're in a pandemic. You're not living life, dude. You're sitting on Netflix. But that's what we say. We, 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 we find that as a badge of honor to tell people how busy we are, how slammed we are, how, how, how important our life is that we can't just sit down and rest. And perhaps right now in your life, that's the most spiritual thing you need to do is just sit and rest. Rest rest because I, I know I struggle with this I, I struggle with this myself just sitting still for just a moment just a season it doesn't matter if the house isn't clean it doesn't matter if the yard's not mowed except in my neighborhood because they'll find you for it it doesn't matter if a few things are left undone perhaps the most spiritual thing you can do right now is just rest so the angel provides this food and he lets him take a nap. He wakes him up and he, and, he, and, he, and he feeds him again. And he is strengthened. 
strengthened. And he goes to Mount Horeb, and the Bible tells us that, uh, and scholars think that this is the same place where God gave the Ten Commandments uh, to Moses. He says, go, eat and rest, and go to the place, the mountain of God, because God's going to do something there. So go to the place where God is at. So go rest, and then go to the place where you will experience God. Get close to God in this time. Once you've rested, once you've got your mind right, get close to God through the scriptures, through his church. If you need to make an appointment with your pastor, these are the important things to do right now. Number two, the next thing he says to help him out here, this is what I want you to see, that God replaces our lies with his truth. God replaces our lies with his truth. The scriptures tell us in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9, it says, there uh, he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. He was ready for this conversation. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. It's always good when you tell God what's going on. He needs to know. So Elijah was telling God what he needed to know. What are you doing here? Let's just pause there. God knew exactly what he was doing there. God sent him there. Told his angel, that's where he needs to go. God knows exactly what's going on here. He knows exactly where he's sending him here. The reason why he's sending him here to meet with him is to replace the lies that he believes in his life. Had the Israelites rejected? Yes. Had the altars been torn down? Yes. Yes, these are all true things. But then all of a sudden he, he slides back into that self-pity. He's like, I'm the only one left. I'm all you got, God. False. I'm the only one that can get it done. I'm all you got. It's false. He owned more responsibility than was actually his. And this is an easy thing to do for us. But you need to replace that, that mindset that, that, that you're all God's got. You're all he's dealing with. This is a very important ministry conversation. I'm all God's got. Read on. I'll let your eyes drop down actually to verse 18. You're going to see where God kind of corrects that. He says this in verse 18. He says, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, whose mouths have not kissed him. Remember, the world population is not like it is today. 7,000 is a lot of people. He says, I got 7,000 people who have not done that. That's what's real. That's what's actually reality. Sometimes our perception is reality to us, but in this situation, this is not it. So we have to, we have to get rid of these lies in our lives. These lies that pop up like, like my marriage could never be healed. It's a lie. I can never get out of this situation. I can never get out of this uh, addiction. My kids are, are never going to, 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 to get right. That's a lie. 
Bible tells us with faith, just, just itty bitty faith, God can move a mountain. I've got this stuff going on in my life. It's too hard for God. That's the lie that he's believing in this situation. He's saying that's not right. God is going to show up in a major way in his life. He says, get rid of those lies and replace them with the truth. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Your mind is going to be one of the worst enemies you have. It's important. In fact, it's biblical command here that you monitor it and you, cr- you grab a hold of those things. So where are you right now? If you were to tell me what's going on in your life, would you speak out a lie that I'm always gonna be here, I'm always gonna be this, I'm always gonna be depressed, I'm always gonna be this way, and God's saying, actually, that's not true. I got 7,000 people waiting to help you. I got 7,000 people waiting to take care and help you in this situation. God's, God's help in this situation of depression is rest, take some time off, and then replace those lies that you are believing. You need to get with somebody that can help you. Often a fresh set of eyes can help you see through some of these lies. The third thing is this, God still speaks or God speaks in a still, small voice. First Kings chapter 19, verse 11 through 13 says this, and the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And the wind, after the wind, an earthquake and an earthquake, uh, the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Now you have to remember that, that Elijah's used to dealing with God, this God of fire, this God of miraculous provision, this, this God of doing some pretty amazing things. And so you, he sees earthquakes and shattering winds and, and, and fire and he's thinking alright here's God and all of a sudden it gets quiet in fact that, that phrase there when it says a uh, uh, still small boy a gentle whisper scholars think that that actually means like sheer silence There's nothing more disturbing for me than sheer silence. I'm in the car, man. I got a podcast going. I got ESPN radio going. I got something going all the time, man. Earphones in if I'm mowing the lawn. It it, it is always something. I I don't like My wife rides in silence if she's not listening to to, to Christian radio. I am not like that. I like it going, but she will sit there quietly, and I always just think she's plotting me. You do that kind of stuff, you're plotting me, man. You're right in silence. And so this is something that, 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 that is important to us because it is there that God will speak because even in a depressive state, we will find what Fromm calls, he's a, he's, a, he's a psychiatrist, he calls it compensatory mechanisms. 
And we will find these mechanisms to just fill our life so that we don't feel the heaviness. We'll find something. We'll, we'll, we'll get obsessed over uh, a show, and we will, this new phrase called binge watch, we will binge watch some show. We will listen to something. We will get addicted to something. It's who we are. It's, it's what they call a compensatory mechanism. He's not a Christian. He's just telling you this is how people cope. Well, I wouldn't call it coping. This is how people just survive. All the while, God is there in that still, small voice. God's never going to, to leave you silently alone. If you, are, if you are intentional enough to bow and to be silent, God will speak. And sometimes it's very quiet. Sometimes it's just that sense that you need to do this, you need to do this, that, 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 that sense that it's going to be something that maybe you're not comfortable with, but you will get that sense in you that you need to do something. You'll get that reassurance, what, 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 what Peter calls that, that sense of, of peace in your life, and that, that, that sense that God is saying, I'm here with you. I'm close. You're not alone. In a depressive state, this is important, God's not going to yell because that's not what you need right now. Elijah didn't need to be yelled at. He needed to be helped and talked to. And that's exactly what God did for him, the last thing. So God gave him food and rest. He spoke truth into his life. He, 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 he came to him in a still, small voice, a gentle whisper. And the last thing is he gave him something to do. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Ahaziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mehaloah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Aziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. In other words, what God is telling him to do right here Get back to work. Get back to profiting. Whatever a prophet does, do that. Go back. Be a prophet. Go. Go back and be a prophet. You've lost your confidence. You're afraid. You're unsure. You don't see it. Get back. You've rested. We, we, you know what is true and what's not true. Now go back. You're a mom. Go back to do what moms do. You're a business person, go back to do what business people do. Church person, go back to, to church. Get involved, do this. Go back. But there's more. God gave him a mentoring relationship. Go find Elisha. That's one of the most cruel things God did was connect Elijah and Elisha because you're always confusing the two and confusing the words. And, but there he is, go find him. Get this, get this young man, Elisha, and train him up. And they go for a while, uh, just, just together. And you see that God rarely brings you through something that he doesn't give you someone to teach about what you went through. 
Teach him. Teach him. Most people will deal with some sort of depression in their lifetime. Most. It's not an if, it's a when it comes. And when it comes, there are steps you can take to overcome that. Rest. Truth. Listening to God. Doing something after that. That these steps, they do prove to be unhelpful. It is time that you seek professional help. It's time that you seek help outside of you. Start with your pastors, then go from there. Get professional help. But like Elijah's life, man, life is full of mountains and valleys. One great battle and a victory today can lead to running to the desert tomorrow. But what you need to do is put yourself in the way of truth. One pastor said, position yourself under the faucet of grace so that when God turns it on, you get wet. David said it this way in Psalm 40, verse 1 and 2, he says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. They turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. You can overcome this. God's given us a a prescriptive way to do that. If you're willing to join him in those steps, let's pray. God, I pray that you will work in people's lives today. It's unique not seeing faces uh, in the crowd, but there are people that definitely need help. I need help in this area. I I need you to speak to me in that still, small voice. I need to take time to be silent. I pray that you would, like Elisha, I mean, like Elijah, that you would minister to us, that you'd put those people in our way that can minister to us like you did that angel. I pray that those that are feeling overwhelmed by the burdens of life, especially in this time where this pandemic has sent them spiraling, that you'll encourage them to be obedient to true rest, not just being cooped up in their house, rest for the of coming out to to, to feet this, this, this heaviness that's going on inside of them. Don't let them neglect that rest, that Sabbath as you call it. Help us. Help us to replace lies that we believe with your word. Help us. Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful that you're still here. We're thankful that you're not done. We're thankful that you are wanting to show your glory off in each and every one of our lives. Help us to believe that truth. That who can stand against us if you're for us? We love you, Lord, in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.